a good move. Why you dancing? Dancing is forbidden. Yoo-hoo, running crew, welcome to Dancing is Forbidden, an Aqua Teen Hunger Force exploration. I am Ronnie, and on this podcast, I am watching through and talking about every Aqua Teen episode, one episode at a time. And the episode we are watching through and talking about this week is Season 4, Episode 4, Dickisode. Howie, do we have to fill it up with some dicks? Yes, we got a full tank of dicks! Full tank, good, good, good. Wall-to-wall dick carpeting? Yes, you've mentioned that, Mr. Wongberger. Ah, dick! Shake! Everywhere I turn, it's dicks! Dickisode premiering October 22nd, 2006. That's right, we are about a year ahead of the previous Aqua Teen episode we covered, Season 4, Episode 3's Deleted Scenes. And in this episode, Carl and the Aqua Teens take part in a fast food restaurant's promotional contest, and Carl wins an unwanted prize. So, Dickisode, a pretty popular episode of the show, I feel like, in part because it's a pretty edgy episode, and I think memorable because of that. And worth noting, there are two different versions of this episode, and they're actually not that different than we might find with something like the deleted scenes episodes, which was a whole ordeal. Here, it's very simple. There's a censored version and an uncensored version. And the only difference between the two is the censored version. It doesn't show you all the dicks in the episode. And if you haven't seen this episode, then you're thinking, what the heck are you talking about? But if you've seen it, then you know the censored version, which is the one that they show on television or that you'll see on HBO Max, for example, it replaces the dicks with just colored bars. And then if you couldn't guess it, the uncensored version, well you see the dicks in their full glory. And to see the uncensored version, it is available alongside the censored version on the Volume 5 DVD. And speaking of the Volume 5 DVD, that's how I saw this episode back in 2008. I never caught this one on live television, but I did see it about two years after it came out on the Volume 5 DVD. And now I didn't have that DVD growing up, but a girl I was dating at the time her dad did. He was a big Aqua Teen fan who would buy the box sets when they came out. So it's because of that I got to see this one. And truthfully, I don't remember my exact reaction to it, but I remember being a little bit surprised by how crass this one is. And also just by how one note intentionally a lot of the episode is. I grew up with season two of Aqua Teen which was very much not in the vein of this. Now, of course, there were hints of it. It wasn't like it was a goody-two-shoes show, as we are all well aware. But up until this point, there were no episodes quite like this one. And to Dickisode's credit, it's doing two very different things in this episode than we've ever seen in Aqua Teen. So we'll get to that in the podcast. And also what we'll get to is I had some help on this one. We have some input from Aqua Teen co-creators Dave Willis and Matt Malero here, as well as the episode's editor and producer Jay Wade Edwards and our friend Bob Pettit, Aqua Teen's art director, is chiming in as well. The man behind the million dicks We've got his take on this episode, too, so excited to share all of that with you. But of course, before we can get to that, 
we got some other stuff to talk about. And first up, our Aqua Teen news this week. And I'm not dicking you around when I say we've got a fair bit to cover because this past week, Adult Swim took to New York Comic Con to unveil some new seasons that they'll have coming out, some new content. And among that, if you couldn't guess, we got some news about the upcoming season of Aqua Teen. Now, off the bat, I was actually a little underwhelmed by this uh, by this panel. They didn't even give us a release date, which I found very surprising. All they they were asked about it, and all they said was soon. It's like, well, it's coming out this year. You we have like two months left of the year. You guys can't give us a release date yet. But worth mentioning that none of the Aqua Team guys were there. I mean, Dave or Matter, nobody was there. It was all Adult Swim people. But what we did get was finally some animation from this new season. And I think it looks really good. I think it looks like traditional Aqua Teen, uh, just updated a little bit. It's not quite as animated as Plantasm, so I think they found a really good middle ground between that classic Aqua Teen look, but also this kind of push from up above to modernize the show a bit and, and make it more appealing to the current generation. Now, as somebody who podcasts about Aqua Teen, in my mind, I think the current generation loves Aquatine the way it always was, but whatever. Something I do want to tell you, though, is they didn't actually address this in the presentation, but we do see the new Aquatine Hunger Force logo, which looks pretty similar to the old one. It's, it's nothing crazy. But by seeing that, I think that it kind of solidifies that this upcoming season is just going to be under the name Aquatine Hunger Force. It's not going to have an alternative title like uh, Aqua TV Show Show or Aqua Teen Forever or anything like that. That's my guess. And I'm going to tell you, as somebody who got to do a voice on one of these episodes and has seen paperwork for this, I have not seen an alternative title anywhere. That doesn't mean that there isn't one, but I haven't seen one. I think this kind of solidifies that. I could reach out to Matt and Dave and ask, but at the same time, it's kind of fun to speculate. So we'll see what happens. I'm surprised that they didn't address that at the panel, but again, no alternative name was given, and I have yet to see one anywhere. And with this new Aqua Teen logo, pretty self-explanatory. As for now, I'm not going to be discussing any episode plots. We can very clearly see what one of the episodes is about in the clip that were provided. And then we also got some screenshots where we could kind of assume what those episodes might be about. I'm not going to bring those up right now. I'm going to do a poll eventually and see what you think, if, if, if you want that spoiled or not. Uh, so I'm not going to say anything about that. But I will say, link in the description if you want to see the about two-minute clip that they showed from one of the upcoming episodes. I'll just say, I think it's very funny. I will say it's dealing with technology and Aqua Teen has always done that, so I don't want to hear anybody complaining that they're addressing current day technology. Aqua Teen always did that, and it, I hope it always does, because it's always funny. And this clip I thought was great from the animation to just the jokes and everything. I'm just so excited to see this one. And again, we can kind of deduce what some other plot points might be from some of the screenshots we get, but I'm not going to get into that here. So again, if you want to see that two-minute clip, I would suggest to check it out. But thanks to Reddit user EmbarrassedDig3646 for uploading that to Reddit so we could all see it. I watched the panel on the live stream that they had up. However, when it came to showing any new actual content, conveniently, the live stream would cut that part out so you wouldn't get to see it. So I didn't get to see the clip in those moments, but luckily... 
embarrassed dig uploaded it to reddit later so definitely check that out next up let's move on to a bit of community news that i really want to share with you something that was two years in the making if you're a longtime listener of this podcast you'll have heard me bring it up before and that is rabot rebuilt it is out it's finally out you can watch it now link in the description it is free to watch on youtube and if you're unfamiliar with what this is It's a reanimation project. We have a bunch of fans of Aqua Teen coming together to reanimate just short snippets of the Rabot episode, and then it's all stitched together, and then you could watch it like the episode Rabot, but the animation style is changing every every so often, and the original audio is underneath. So it's, it's the Rabot episode. It just looks a lot different, and it's so much fun to watch. I've seen it a handful of times at this point, and I enjoy it every single time. And just congratulations to everybody involved with the project. I know uh, there are many who listen to this podcast, and I'm just so proud of everybody. And especially Zeus, who put this whole thing together, who spearheaded this whole project. It's just brilliant. I mean, I, I could go on about this. Definitely check out Rabot Rebuilt. I've sent it off to some of the Aquatine guys, and they loved it. They had great things to say about it. And hey, I think you will too if you haven't seen it yet. So that's Rabot Rebuilt. Check it out. Last but not least, very quickly, I want to shout out longtime supporter of the show, Captain Buford, who brought up a bit of a comparison to me, a bit of an observation that he had that I'm jealous that I didn't have. And that observation is that Dirtfoot, who we recently covered on the show here, uh, he's a little bit reminiscent of a previous villain that we addressed back from season one of the show. And that villain is the wizard, as seen in season one, episode 15's Interfection. And both of these characters do look very similar in that, first of all, both of their bodies mainly consist of one giant foot. Also, they're pretty hairy, wizard with his giant beard, and then dirt foot with, well, I mean, you know, he's covered in hair. So a really fun observation there from Captain Buford. Thanks for hitting me up with that. I got a real kick out of it. Like I said, it's a little bit jealous that I didn't come up with it myself. But all right, that is our Aqua Teen news, our community news this week. What do you say we jump in and see what in the hell was going on the week that Dickisode premiered? Let's go see what was happening. Illusioning its way to the top of the box office this week, we have Christopher Nolan's The Prestige, which is dropping some hot tricks and bamboozlements, bringing in $14 million. And the synopsis of this film is, after a tragic accident, two stage magicians in 1890s London engage in a battle to create the ultimate illusion while sacrificing everything they have to outwit each other and this film has a lot of very big stars in it like Hugh Jackman, Christian Bale, Scarlett Johansson, even David Bowie showed up for this film and when I saw the title I was like huh I'm not familiar with that but you know what I actually have seen this not in in theaters but my mom rented it around the time that it came to DVD so I had seen it I do remember some scenes from this and I did really like it at the time I thought it was a pretty cool film I mean, it's a Christopher Nolan film, so you kind of uh, expect it to be pretty worth your time. But you know what's not worth your time? The fact that this film has zero shared cast or crew to Aqua Teen Hunger Force. That's a bit of a disappointment. But you may be wondering why it's called The Prestige. 
Well, I'll tell you. Apparently, the word prestige originally meant a trick from the Latin prestigium, meaning illusion. And I don't know how to speak Latin, so if I mess that up and you reach out to me complaining about it, well, I'll make you disappear, goddammit. So that is our film this week. Worth mentioning before we go on, again, we're about a year ahead of our last pop culture deep dive, so all sorts of stuff has happened, but whenever we get around to our season four retrospective, I'll touch on some of the stuff we may have missed. But you know what we're not missing? This week's top album, the top of the Billboard charts. Let's give it a listen and see what we got. Rocking their way to the top of the Billboard Top 200 charts this week, we've got Evanescence with The Open Door selling over 447,000 copies this week alone. And I mean, it's Evanescence. If you'll recall, three years previously, they had the breakout hit, Bring Me to Life, or as you might know it, Wake Me Up Inside. So this album was very much highly anticipated. And it was a bit delayed to come out. It took about three years to make this because guitarist and one of the songwriters, Terry Balsamo, had a stroke uh, around this time. So that really delayed things. And singer Amy Lee said that that was really the hardest part of making the record, which, uh, you know, sounds about right to me. I could imagine that would be a difficult part. But again, that is Evanescence with The Open Door. Truthfully, their last really big record And I actually don't even say that disparagingly. I think that's how Amy Lee wants it because she is just an artist who wants to do what she wants to do. And she's, you know, she put up with label interference on the first record, which that sold super well. So I'd imagine she's probably doing okay financially. So at this point, she can just do really what she wants to do with Evanescence here and doesn't have to try and worry about being on the Billboard charts, for example, going forward. So this is really their last hurrah as this huge kind of commercial band. And at this point, Evanescence, I think they're doing just fine. And you know who else is doing just fine? The artist behind our top single this week. Let's give it a listen. Dirty babe, you see these shackles, baby, I'm this I'll let you with me if I misbehave. It's just that no one makes me feel this way. Take it to the cars. Come here, girl. Go ahead, be gone with it. Come to the back. Go ahead, be gone with it. VIP. Go ahead, be gone with it. Drinks on me. Go ahead, be gone with it. Not only is Justin Timberlake bringing sexy back in this song, but he's also bringing himself to the top of the Billboard singles chart. And actually, this is Sexy Back's seventh consecutive week as the top single, although we are jumping in on its last week at the top, so kind of convenient timing for us with this episode of Aqua Teen coming out so we don't have to mention this song a million times. But Sexy Back, very indicative of 2006, a song that is still popular today, and I think rightfully so. And 
This is really an interesting song, especially with the kind of androgynous vocals, the very sparse production. And speaking of the vocals, I didn't even know that this was Justin Timberlake for a long time. I thought it was a woman singing the song. So when I found out it was Justin Timberlake as a kid, I was like, weird, did he like produce it or something? And no, that's him singing it. But let me tell you, I've got three weddings in the course of these six weeks that I've been going to. I've heard it once already, and I'm sure I'll, I'll hear it again on the dance floor. And goddammit, I'll be dancing every single time to it. But I remember in 2006 or maybe early 2007 when I was in seventh grade, which was when this episode of Aqua Teen came out, and in my English class, we had to do some sort of marketing unit. I'm not entirely sure why, but that's what we were doing. And we had to make a fictitious chocolate company and then also make marketing materials for it. And I handled the marketing aspect of it, which was I wrote a jingle that was you know, meant to be played on the radio or something. But it was a spoof of Sexy Back. I don't remember the context. I don't have this song anymore. I'd love to play it for you, but I don't have it. Of course, it was like a, a jokey kind of thing. And I got the I got the instrumental of the song and I recorded my own voice over it to have this jingle. And I was trying to give the teacher my flash drive that had the song on it. And she would not play it. She wouldn't put it in her computer. She's like, no, there could be viruses on this. I'm not doing that. Like she thought she was hot shit. She was so smug in not putting this 13 year old flash drive into her computer. Uh, you would think that she just checkmated Kasparov or something, okay? That's that's how happy she was in herself. Uh, so as you could imagine, we didn't get to hear the song that I recorded. I just had to read the lyrics to the class, which was uh, way less funny than it was supposed to be. But a quick aside to this story that I think is pretty funny is that the other kid in the group, Josh, he was handling the chocolate. And we were supposed to actually come up with our own formula and make it ourselves, but... We were 13. We weren't going to do that shit. He went and bought a bunch of Hershey's chocolate, heated it up a little bit, scraped off the Hershey's imprint on it, and then boom, that was our chocolate, which, hey, I was fine with because, one, it was funny as hell, and two, I wasn't going to go over to somebody's house and work on this. So, hey, teacher wasn't going to play my song. I'm not actually going to make chocolate for the class. So let's hop on over now to our top alternative track this week. And, uh, you know, I'm talking about when I was young. Uh, let, let's hear what this song is. Topping the Billboard alternative chart this week, we have the Killers with When You Were Young off of their record Samstown. And I love the Killers. I've talked about them on the podcast before. And Samstown was their second record after their first Hot Fuss. Hot Fuss had like Mr. Brightside on it, all these things I've done, some very big poppy songs of 2004. Well, Samstown went in a more Bruce Springsteen esque direction. And because of that, I know a lot of people didn't like that, but actually Samstown is my favorite Killers record, 
and is way more indicative of the sound they would continue to make after that. So even though they're most known for songs like Mr. Brightside, that's really kind of like a, a strange part of their discography in the context of all of their records because they went on to do more things in the vein of this one. And the first song we heard from this was When You Were Young. And when I first heard it, I recognized it was The Killers, it was the band behind Mr. Brightside, but I didn't like this song. I thought it was kind of dumb. I thought it was silly. The whole he doesn't look a thing like Jesus, I just thought was was dumb. But now as an adult, I mean, even as a teenager, I really grew into love it. But as an adult, I just adore this record, adore this song specifically. I adore The Killers as well and always keeping up with whatever they are doing. Before we head out of our music here, I do want to shout out a record that came out on the 16th of October, which is this past week when Dickisode came out. We had Cradle of Filth with Thornography, which was a very important record to me, specifically around this time. I got that record uh, very shortly after it came out. And it went on to influence my love of uh, extreme metal music and just lead me down to a lot of other bands I would come to love. And that will be topical to a certain Adult Swim show we'll be talking about on our Adult Swim lineup very soon. So wanted to shout out Thornography, a record that now I don't think is really that good, but it meant a lot to me at the time and was a very good bridge for me to get into this very kind of heavy music that might have been too difficult to get into otherwise. So, of course, next up we have our video games that came out this week, and there's all sorts of stuff that actually came out around this time. Remember, fall, very popular time for video games because a little thing called Christmas is coming up, so they want parents and and people just to be able to buy these games for Christmas, and just a few titles that I spied with my little eyes here that I want to mention would be we have Battlefield 2142 coming to Windows, the game Bully by Rockstar coming to PS2. I never played Bully, but I know a lot of people like it, and I still see references to it today. We had Family Guy video game coming to PSP. I looked that up. It didn't look that great, but I don't know. Maybe you had it and liked it. Destroy All Humans 2 coming to PS2 and Xbox, and a few other things, but something that I want to mention in terms of my interest would be Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell Double Agent coming to Xbox 360 within this past week. Now, I haven't played Double Agent, and that's because I got a little overwhelmed looking into it. You see, there's actually two distinctly different versions of the game. There's the one that came out this past week, which is the next-gen version, coming to newer systems like the Xbox 360, and in a month in our timeline here, the PS3 will be out, so there as well. But then there's also the old-gen version, which will be coming out in about a week on, like, the Xbox, the PlayStation 2, the Nintendo Wii, the Nintendo GameCube, the older systems. And they're two distinctly different games made on two different engines, and they play a little bit differently. And I just didn't know which one I was supposed to play. Turns out the older-gen version is considered the better version. This newer-gen version coming to the Xbox 360 this week is not so good. They tried to make the game a little too different. They tried to modernize it a little too much. The point of Splinter Cell is being a a bad boy spy, sneaking around in the shadows, and they tried to make it more action-oriented, I think, and just change a little too much, and surprise, surprise, people didn't like that. So one of these days, I'll go back and play the old one, but uh, wanted to mention that there, all sorts of games coming out, all sorts of stuff happening, 
and I'm excited to continue to go through 2006 and see what else we get. So, it is October 22nd, 2006, and you just don't know what world you're living in anymore. First of all, you saw the prestige in theaters, and there was all sorts of trickery and illusions that you just, you couldn't tell fact from fiction. You couldn't tell what was going on, and you kind of started to realize how much of your life had been a lie. The new killer song comes on the radio, and what the heck, this doesn't sound anything like the old killers. What is going on here? You're like, alright, video games won't let me down, I'm gonna pick up that new Tom Clancy Splinter Cell game. This, this'll do me right, right? Let's get it for my Xbox 360, and no, it's too different, it's not the same as the other Splinter Cell games. You just, you feel like the rug has been pulled out from underneath you, your whole world is just shattered, but don't worry, there's one last bastion of hope in this world, of, of stability in this world that'll treat you right, because it's nighttime and you're tuning into Adult Swim, and for the love of God, they better deliver, and let me tell you, they do. So, before we get into our actual lineup, I have to shout out supporter of the show and longtime listener Carson, who reached out to me with some pretty important information that I think is worth mentioning. So Carson says, In between Aqua Teen's Season 4 2005 episodes and its 2006 episodes, Adult Swim launched both an Australian block and a British block, obviously including Aqua Teen. The Australian block was on Cartoon Network's Australian channel, but the British block was on a now-defunct UK channel called Bravo, Carson goes on to elaborate that that has no relation to the American Bravo channel, which is very different that you would never expect to see Adult Swim on. And also Carson says, before season four premiered, Adult Swim and Cartoon Network got split up by their Nielsen ratings. So thank you, Carson, for that. So, I mean, this is significant. This is like, I'd imagine a lot of UK viewers of Aqua Teen and Australian viewers got clued into Aqua Teen and Adult Swim as a whole because of, I mean, this is very obvious to say, but because of Adult Swim coming to those countries in this context. Now, I don't know if Aqua Teen was somehow viewable in those countries already outside of this. I, I can't really find that history. And if you live in, in those countries, please do reach out to me, and I would love to hear how you found Aqua Teen but from my podcast statistics, at least, and from everything else I've seen, I definitely know that outside of the United States and Canada, that the United Kingdom and Australia are two of the biggest countries that love Aqua Teen. And another reason I think that is because both of those countries got exclusive Aqua Teen box sets at some point. The UK getting a box set that comprised the first four seasons of Aqua Teen, and then Australia getting the Aqua Teen Hunger Force Combo Collection, which was the first eight seasons. So, clearly, people in those countries, they like Aqua Teen. So, pretty significant here, and again, thanks Carson for reaching out with that, because I wouldn't have known that otherwise, and anytime Aqua Teen is brought to other countries, I think is a good thing. So, let's jump into our lineup here. Again, it's October 22nd, it is a Sunday night. At 10 p.m., you turn on the TV and you've got Futurama with the episode That's Lobstertainment. Of course, not a new episode, but in that one, I, I really remember this episode from seeing it on Fox. It's where we have Dr. Zoidberg 
discovering that he's like related to a famous comedian. That comedian is played by Hank Azaria, who is, you know, from The Simpsons. He was on Friends, all sorts of stuff. Hank Azaria, a very big voice actor. So I really liked that episode when it came out. Otherwise, 1030, check this out. We have Aqua Teen with this episode, Dickisode. This being, as you know, a new episode. But not only that, after Aqua Teen at 1045, I must be having deja vu here because we have Aqua Teen Hunger Force again, but this time with frat aliens. That being season two, episode 19, and it goes without saying that we've covered that one on the podcast before. So it's cool here to see now in, in late October of, tw- of 2006 that we have two Aqua Teen episodes going back to back, which, uh, hey, I like that. That's pretty cool. At 11 p.m., we have Family Guy with Stu and Stewie's Excellent Adventure. This title, of course, being a throwback to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And in this episode... I remember this one as well. We have Stewie meeting his future self who lives kind of like a pathetic life. Stewie, as a baby, is very unhappy to see how his life turns out. We also have Meg uh, has transitioned to Ron in this episode. I liked that because, hey, my name is Ronnie and Meg is now Ron. And worth mentioning, this is actually like an excerpt from the Family Guy film, Stewie Griffin, The Untold Story. They took it and cut it up into episodes. So this actually was in the film as well. And I saw the film growing up, so I saw this there too. So this is not a new episode, as you might expect, irregardless of the fact that Adult Swim was not really getting new Family Guy that was exclusive to Fox. However, next up, we do have a new episode. We have 11.30 with Robot Chicken Drippy Pony. After that, 11.45, we have a newcomer to our Adult Swim lineup, a show I loved a lot and a show that I've been excited to talk about ever since I started this podcast, which is Metalocalypse with new episode Murdering Outside the Box. And that that episode has the song Briefcase Full of Guts, which is great. I'm not going to talk about Metalocalypse here because our next Patreon episode will be on Metalocalypse, and I couldn't be more excited for it. Very stoked to discuss Metalocalypse, and that's kind of why I wanted to bring up Cradle of Filth earlier because that's a metal band. We got Metalocalypse. I was very much into metal at this time in my life, and that's all I'm going to say about it so I don't spoil too much for the Patreon episode. Although I will say, I'm kind of burying the lead here. I probably should have mentioned this at the top of the podcast is both Metalocalypse co creators, Brendan Small and Tommy Blacha, are in Dickisode. They play one of the Rice Henchmen and Mr. Wongberger himself respectively. So we'll get into these guys in today's episode. So at midnight, we have Squidbillies with Meth OD to my madness, a play on Method to my madness. Very funny. And that is the show's second season and the sixth episode of that season. And I feel like that's important to mention. I'll explain why in a little bit. After that, 12.15 a.m., we actually have a new episode of a show we haven't talked about in a while, Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law, with Bird Snapped. Harvey Birdman in its fourth and final season here, Bird Snapped being, again, it's, it's the fourth episode of the fourth season, uh, similar to Dickisode here, so pretty funny that uh, both Aqua Teen and Harvey Birdman are dropping season four, episode four tonight. However, I do want to say Bird Snapped is the 36th overall episode of Harvey Birdman, while Dickisode 
is the 59th overall episode of Aqua Teen, and Aqua Teen had been working on a film. And I do want to say that because both shows started at the same time, but Harvey Birdman uh, much slower to get episodes out as compared to Aqua Teen. So Harvey Birdman, it's almost over, but it is still airing at this point with some new episodes, so we will be seeing that pop up. Next up, we have another newcomer to our lineup and another new episode. At 12.30 a.m., we have Frisky Dingo with Meet Awesome X, which is the second episode of Frisky Dingo, and the first episode had just premiered the previous week. So Frisky Dingo, a very new show at this point. And Captain Buford, I'm going to need you to close your ears. You're not going to like this news that I say. I've never seen a full episode of Frisky Dingo, at least not that I can recall. I know I've caught it on TV around this time, but I have not seen the show. I, I know vaguely what it's about. I know that it's made by the C-Lab guys who eventually, you know, kind of went on to make Archer. Uh, but yeah, Frisky Dingo, something I'd love to learn more about. And something I do want to mention is some of its characters or some of the characters on Frisky Dingo, they are meant to look like real life employees of William Street, which produced that show and also, you know, are behind Aqua Teen as well. So a fun little thing there. So at 12.45 a.m., we have 12-Ounce Mouse with Enjoy the Arm, which is a new episode. And that is Season 2, Episode 5. So I brought up Squidbillies was Season 2, Episode 6. 12-Ounce Mouse is in its second season as well on its fifth episode. Both Matt and Dave's other shows, they're, they're at about the same point in their production here, which I thought was kind of cool. So Matt and Dave, they got three new episodes coming out tonight. I'm sure they were just dancing around, hooting and hollering, very excited about that, except uh, I guarantee they weren't. So at 1 a.m., we have the Venture Bros with 20 Years to Midnight. This is not a new episode. It originally aired over two months ago. And then at 1.30 a.m., our last episode of our lineup here, we have Stroker and Hoop with Hip Hop Hooray, a.k.a. Gangsta Sap. And Stroker and Hoop had stopped airing about a year ago, if you'll recall, when we covered the earlier episodes in Season 4, uh, Dirtfoot, Boost Mobile, and Deleted Scenes. That was around the time that Stroker and Hoop was ending, but they're still showing them here in 2006. So that is our lineup, a very fun lineup. We had Futurama, Aqua Teen, Aqua Teen again, love it, Family Guy, Robot Chicken, Metalocalypse, Squidbillies, Harvey Birdman, Frisky Dingo, 12-Ounce Mouse, Venture Bros, and Stroker and Hoop. A good selection of new episodes here. A good selection of shows. But you know what? The best show of all here is Aqua Teen Hunger Force. So what do you say we dive in to our new episode, dick Episode? Let's stop dicking around and check it out. Check it out. Check it out, y'all. Check it, check it oh, out. Check it out. There might be a lot of dicks in this world, but you know who's not a dick? Any of the Moon Masters over at Patreon.com slash Dancing is Forbidden who are chipping in to allow this show to keep going. I mean, if we couldn't be here talking about dicks and the 10 million times I'm gonna say dick in this episode today, well, then what would even be the point of living? There wouldn't be one. That's for sure. And giving us a reason to live today, signing up to the Patreon back in July, we have Kyle B. And you might be asking, Kyle B what? What what does Kyle B? I'll tell you what Kyle B. Kyle B collecting a ton of amazing merch. I saw his Instagram page. Let me tell you, 
outside of his Aqua Teen merch, okay, he even has the three Aqua Teen plushies in their box still. I saw a delicious looking homemade meat wad cake on Kyle's Instagram. Now, I would assume he doesn't have it anymore. I, I, I would guess that he ate it, or maybe it's sitting there rotting. I'm not really sure. That would be fitting for meat wad. But Kyle, he's got all sorts of stuff. He's got like Nintendo swag. I even saw a picture of my favorite actor, Mr. Tommy Wiseau, America's sweetheart of the room on Kyle's Instagram page. There are all sorts of stuff. I could be looking at it for days. Don't even get me started. So Kyle, thank you for taking some time out of your collecting to sign up to the Patreon. Hope you're enjoying all of the exclusive episodes over there. Hope you're having a good time with them. Maybe you're listening to them while you're dusting off your badass collection. I don't know. And the last thing I want to mention here is a little plug for the podcast's Instagram. I have on there something called a broadcast channel. It allows me to send messages out to you whenever I see fit. And uh, whenever I see fit, well, that's my decision. But my point is, if you want up-to-date Hot off the presses, Aqua Teen news. That is the way to get it from me. I'm not using Twitter anymore, and this broadcast channels thing is great. So if you want Aqua Teen news as soon as I know about it, then get on that broadcast channel. My Instagram is Aqua Teen Pod. Link in the description. I bet Kyle's in that broadcast channel. Coming up next, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Dickisode premiering October 22nd, 2006 with a TVMA rating. This being the first TVMA rating of Aqua Teen ever and just continuing the trend of Aqua Teen getting more crude and crass as the network really allowed them to. And of course, we'll get into that a little bit more as the podcast goes on. But it's pretty clear to, to, to tell why this is TVMA, right? I don't have to explain it to you why this one's getting an MA. I absolutely do not disagree with it. So let's jump over to our voice actors on this one. Of course, we have Dana Snyder, Carrie Means, and Dave Willis as Master Shake, Frylock, and Meatwad, and Carl. Although I should mention here, Dana Snyder is billed as Dick Snyder, Carrie Means billed as Dick Means, and Dave Willis billed as Dick Willis. And that goes for everyone else who is involved in this episode has Dick in their name in some capacity. I'm excited to tell you I got to the bottom of who is behind this joke. We will be talking about that, though, once the credits come up towards the end of the podcast here. But our guest voice actors, like I said, these are the Metalocalypse co-creators. First up, we have Tommy Blotcha playing Mr. Wongberger, billed as Dick Blotcha, and Brendan Small playing one of the rice henchmen, uh, Brendan billed as Donald Cock. So he, I, I guess, is the, is the exception. He doesn't have Dick in his name because he is Donald Cock here. Which to me is like, dude, your last name is Small. I mean, come on, you couldn't play on that with Dick? But all right, whatever. I guess he occasionally uses Donald Cock as a stage name as well, so he doesn't just use it here on Aqua Teen. But our other voice actor, there's actually someone else who we are very familiar with, somebody we know him, we love him. We have Mr. Andy Merrill billed as Dick Merrill on this one. He's Oglethorpe in Aqua Teen. He showed up in Season 1, Episode 2's Escape from Lepercopolis as Merle. You know, he's a writer on Space Ghost. He, he did all sorts of stuff in the Adult Swim world. We love the guy, and he's here playing one of the other Rice henchmen. So those are our voice actors on this one. And our editor here is our friend, Mr. J. Wade Edwards, billed as Dick Edwards, doing the edit. 
And this is kind of significant. This is Jay's first real episode of Aqua Teen in almost two years since season three in 2004. Now, he was credited on the deleted scenes episode in 2005, but I'm not sure if that's because he worked specifically on deleted scenes or if it was really his work on the deleted scenes themselves. I hope you understand what I'm saying here because that was kind of like a clip show episode and that explains why we didn't really see Jay in this time is because he was the senior editor, the lead editor on Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters, which they were working on during that period. So he was busy making the film and wasn't involved in those early season four episodes in 2005 as much. So that's our cast and crew. What do you say we jump in to this episode of Aqua Teen? So, Dick is sewed opening in on an establishing shot of a giant dick, and <laughs> just kidding. I mean, it'll get there, but it's not, it's not that crass off the bat, all right? Don't worry. So, what we really open in on is a restaurant. We're in a restaurant scene here. We're in the parking lot, and we see the exterior of the restaurant. It's a Chinese restaurant, and this background immediately strikes me as looking very modern. Now, I don't know if this is the power of suggestion, although I don't think it is, and we will get into that in a little bit in the podcast here. But we are at Wong Burger, and we have these sliding doors that open, and Frylock, Carl, come out. They're both carrying this giant cup of soda that says Wong Burger on it, and we have Meatwad there kind of like directing them. And then following behind the guys, we have Shake come out, and he's holding a hand truck uh, or like a dolly, which is not the first time that we've seen a hand truck in Aqua Teen. But this hand truck looks a little bit silly because I, I think it's like deep fried or something, and then the wheels are chocolate. Shake will address that. But the joke here is that Carl and Frylock are carrying out Shake's drink for whatever reason, because Shake has this hand truck that could easily move this. That's what the intention of it is. And then Shake is going to start drinking this giant cup, which is quite a funny sight because it's about the same size and shape as Master Shake. So he's almost drinking out of a similar looking version of himself, just without a face and hands and things like that. So you'll hear that interaction now. Okay, step. There's a step. I'm losing my grip. Step down. Where do you want it? Where do you want it? Where are you going? Woo! Woo! Was that thing heavy? Damn it, Shake, did you have to order the supersized trough? <laughs> Hydration is essential. <laughs> ah, so good. And I need 85. <laughs> gallons of soda per day and plus. <laughs> it comes with an edible hand truck. The tires are chocolate. So, Shakey, you hear him sucking on that soda for a while. This immediately reminding me of something like Space Goes Coast to Coast, where Matt and Dave would be a little bit more challenging to the viewer by disrespecting their time in this way and just filling up time with these awkward pauses because we get shots of the other characters just kind of looking at Shake while he's he's sucking down this soda. I have to wonder which soda he's drinking. I mean... The show is made in Georgia. I have to imagine it's Coca-Cola, but who knows what Shake is sipping on here. My favorite pop is Dr. Pepper, so I have to pray that that's what he's drinking, but I don't know. But yeah, that struck me here that Matt and Dave did this, and we'll see that again later in this episode, something similar to this. I do want to mention the animation 
of Carl bringing out the soda. He's kind of crouching and carrying it. And I think that this drawing, this kind of animation, is from the deleted scenes episode, or specifically colon movie film, I guess, where Carl has the broomstick up his ass because he's kind of hunched over. And that's kind of how it is here when he's carrying this. But Shake, I guess, has this newfound soda addiction. He has to drink 85 gallons a day. I don't think we've ever heard any of the characters mentioned drinking soda at any point on the show before. I could be wrong about that, but certainly not. I don't remember Shake having this addiction, but I looked it up. I crunched some numbers, and I guess Shake, he needs to drink 340 times of the average human stomach's capacity of soda every single day. Now, Shake is not a human, but 85 gallons, that is a lot of soda here. But I want to get back to the assets here. I mean, immediately, we're seeing a lot of new assets. We have this new background, this beautiful background. We have these sliding doors that I can't recall in Aqua Teen if we've ever seen any sort of animated background asset in this way, outside of a normal, uh, for lack of a better term, analog door where a character opens a door. Like, these slide on their own, and for some reason that really struck me as being kind of new for Aqua Teen, or at the very least, something that we haven't seen very often. But the last thing I want to say about these sliding doors is I did bring this up to Bob Pettit, just telling him the same thing that I told you that I was surprised by this. And Bob points out, I didn't even think of this, how few fast food restaurants have sliding doors, which makes sense because you wouldn't really want um, like insects and stuff to be able to come in as easily through these sliding doors. So it totally makes sense. Typically when you have sliding doors, there's like an internal layer that kind of ideally will trap insects and things like that. And that's not the case here at Wong Burger. It's just these sliding doors directly in. But Bob points out, that's just what's more efficient for the episode and for the animators to work, or the editors, rather, to work with. And when Shake walks through these doors, it looks like his, his straw kind of clips through because Shake is so damn big. And these doors are drawn to fit kind of, you know, normal human beings, which is funny. So back to the assets here. We have this cup that Shake has and this, this hand truck. And we'll see... A lot more going through the episode of new assets here, which kind of lets us know that, hey, Aqua Teen is back in full production and they've got the budget and the know-how to give us all new assets that we've never before seen. And to the story here, I'm surprised. Of course, I said that Frylock and Carl are moving Shake's cup for him, but also that Carl's even hanging out with these guys is a bit of a surprise. But I think that's kind of the direction that Aqua Teen continues to go in with Carl just being more of just a straight-up friend of the Aqua Teens. They kind of drop the pretense of him not liking them as much, and, and that will come up from time to time, but not as much as in the earlier episodes where Carl hated them and they were always just intruding in on him that he just, you know, kind of hangs out with them at this point. And we, we've seen, too, that Carl doesn't really have that many friends. He kind of needs the Aqua Teens, as we saw in Season 3, Episode 13's Carl, when he, he has the whole place to himself, and he's kind of bored. So I, I'm kind of glad that they're continuing on with that, honestly. So Meatwad is going to have his own drink. Carl has his own drink as well. I don't see Frylock with anything, which is, you know, because Frylock is, is the smart character. He's not going to be drinking or eating this crap. But uh, Meatwad here has his, what looks like a child's cup, and he's going to rip off the bottom of the cup because printed on the bottom is some sort of promo. And you might run across this on a drink or on fries, where usually it's like a sticker on, let's say, the, the box of fries. And you take off the sticker and it's like, oh, you know, 
either you won something or you didn't. But the joke here is that it's on the bottom of the cup, and then Meatwad just rips it off. And you think Meatwad's being dumb, but spoiler, we'll see later in the episode that actually is how you're supposed to do it. Because he's going to rip it off, all of his soda's going to fall out onto the, the pavement there, and then Shake will follow suit. He'll push his giant cup over, which is still very much full of, of soda, and that's going to go just spilling everywhere. Poor Meatwad's going to get washed away with it. He's going to rip the bottom off and see what his prize is as well. Hey, y'all, look at this. Just rip it and win. <laughs> oh, what'd you win, Meatwad? 20 cents off my next wasabi fries. <laughs> All right. You see, they fill the fries with wasabi sauce. Through I know, Meatwad. I know. I saw the ad, too. And they're good. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're not. Do yours. Rip it and win. <laughs> 20 cents off the next order of wasabi fries! <laughs> you see, they filled a french fry up with wasabi yeah, sauce. Yeah, we know, okay? We know. <laughs> I love Meatwad. He saw this commercial, so he thinks he's just, like, so knowledgeable on this, and he's so excited to tell Frylock about it twice. I love the one-two punch of the jokes of Meatwad just r- ruining his little little cup of pop and then shake pushing his over and wasting by my estimates well over five hundred dollars worth of soda pop there that he just threw out of course only for 20 cents off his next order of fries but at least he's happy about it right and i do need to address of course the aqua teens it's easy to forget these are fast food products and they're here talking about other fast food things so it's kind of funny for them to be talking about you know 20 cents off their french fries as frylock is is right there i'm not going to dwell on it but we don't see that kind of stuff in aqua Teen too much so it's pretty silly and that is by matt and dave's design they purposely never included many if any at all jokes about that i know in plantasm they did but i mean that's a movie when when a television show gets a movie they have to go bigger and better with it so i think that was a fitting time to treat them as food products but uh, you know, in the show, we don't see it very much at all. So, uh, again, that is by design. So, all right, Shake, Meatwad, they got their prizes. Let's see what Carl's going to win. See what you win, Carl. Uh, tonight, you will get your dick ripped off. <laughs> that doesn't sound right, does it? Hey, read this. Tonight, you will get your dick ripped off. Is that a prize? Uh, you <laughs> might want to check with the manager on this, Carl. No, 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 don't do that! Can't you read? He's the guy that rips it off! I like Carl, he's just like, is is that a prize, or...? <laughs> so, apparently the boys were just going out to get some some pops, and that's fine. I do it from time to time, go out, just get, just get something to drink. I guess that's what they're doing here, because they notably don't have any food. And my thought was, oh, it's because, you know, that would have just been more they would have had to pay to Bob Pettit to draw more assets. However, jumping into our next clip, we're going to see a commercial for Wong Burger, and we're going to see some characters holding, like, fries and and a burger. And I do want to mention, this is Wong Burger. I love that it's supposed to be, like, an Asian-Chinese kind of restaurant, but then it's serving American food, like French fries and, and cheeseburgers. But, yeah, so we have the assets in the episode. We're about to see them in our next clip. I assume it's because... The Aqua Teens are, are poor. They can't afford it. I mean, forgetting the fact that Shake spent what had to have been $500 at least on Soda Pop here. But with Carl, you would think Carl would have had some food. So that's an interesting choice that none of the characters had any food on them. But I hinted at it. Let's jump into our next clip because they're going to kind of get to the bottom of this with Carl's little uh, 
quote unquote prize that he got, we're going to see a commercial for Wong Burger and this promotion that's going on. And the characters we have doing this are not new. We have seen these characters before. We saw them back in season two, episode four's supercomputer. These are the Oogie Gmiktach, whatever the fuck, uh, those guys who were in that commercial. It's the same guys. Uh, we don't have MC Chris here doing a voice, but we do have Dave Willis. So let's go watch that commercial back at the Aqua Teens house. Just grab the bottom of the cup, rip it, and win. <laughs> Prizes include a new car or a discount on teriyaki fries. At Wong Burger, when it's right, it's Wong. <laughs> Some customers may get their dicks ripped off. Right there, right there. Did you hear that? Oh, yeah, about the teriyaki fries? No, 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 no. The, the, the last part, the, the low, fast part. Rewind, go back. We ain't got no TiVo, so... That was live, Carl. <laughs> but we can still go back. Through the power of imagination. I like the way you think. Go get your puppets. <laughs> okay. So, Meatwad's going to get his puppets. A lot to address here. First and foremost, I do want to say, notice the in the commercial, they're talking about teriyaki fries. Although, in the previous clips, they were talking about wasabi fries. So, it's possible that in this commercial, they're just not mentioning all the kinds of discounts you can get, but I found it interesting that both Shake and Meatwad got 20 cents off wasabi fries, but in the commercial, they're talking about teriyaki fries. So that makes me think there was some sort of uh, misstep or discrepancy, like from the script and the recording where they listed two different food items or something like that. This could have been intentional, but I, I have to wonder if it wasn't. But regardless here, uh, we heard in the commercial that, that I guess that's uh, the risk you run when you check your prize. And I just love the absurdity. Again, I know I already talked about it. But the fact that, of course, it makes more sense to finish your drink, take off the lid, and then look at what you won. But they're just like, no, buy the soda and then rip it off and let all the soda fall off. Very Aqua Teen there. Very Matt and Dave to just turn that uh, little giveaway system on its head. But something I want to mention is after the commercial, we see a familiar sight on TV. I mean, I mentioned him before... Aqua teens here are watching Space Ghost. We have Space Ghost from Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Uh, notably, we could see it's that show on the screen that both Matt Malero and Dave Willis wrote on and a bunch of the other Aqua Teen guys did work on. Uh, Jay Edwards, who who edited this episode of Aqua Teen. Bob Pettit, who uh, we're talking about for the art here. All these guys worked on Space Ghost Coast to Coast and many more who worked on Aqua Teen. So fitting to have Space Ghost on the screen here. And... I want to mention in the very first episode of Aqua Teen Rabot that that was kind of like the intention. They were going to have Space Ghost on TV at some point. And also Space Ghost was supposed to be in that episode multiple times, at least throughout the rewrites. Now we know Space Ghost never showed up. But also in colon movie film for theaters, which I'd have to imagine was pretty close to being done at this point, we do have a small Space Ghost cameo. So Space Ghost is on the mind here, and we see him in this episode, which is very great. It's always fun to see what they put on the TV on Aqua Teen uh, when it's just supposed to be on. In this case, uh, a very fitting homage to Space Ghost. But another thing I want to mention, and a big thing, and I think something that makes this episode very significant, is when you see the Aqua Teen's house... You may, I don't want to say have an uncanny valley effect, but you may notice it looks different. And that's because it is. This is not our normal Aqua Teen 
like house asset anymore. This is the HD asset as seen in colon movie film for theaters. And I should note, we did see it back in deleted scenes during the deleted scenes clip, which was, you know, deleted scenes from colon movie film. So it makes sense we would have seen it there. But now Dickisode is a normal episode of Aqua Teen, and we are getting this new updated background. So uh, Boost Mobile would have been the last time that we saw the Aqua Teen house as we knew it up until that point. And really what that means is there's just so much more detail here. This background was made for the big screen, for a theatrical release, so Bob Pettit was able to add so much more detail. We have some stains on the walls, like some water damage, it looks like, some stains on the carpet, things of that nature. So it's a much crisper, more uh, high-detailed background. Of course, Dickisode and the rest of Season 4 is still in 480p, it's still in standard definition, so it's not widescreen like season five will be but these assets are noticeably much sharper which goes back to the beginning of this episode i said oh wow i can't help but feel like this wong burger background is is more modern looking that's why bob was doing stuff in much higher definition at this point than he had been before so not something you maybe even would have noticed uh, actively at least, while watching this episode, but now you kn that you know, you know, and I'm sure you won't be able to unsee it, that this is a different background than we are used to, and the props will be higher resolution than we are used to as well. So not only is Dickisode pushing things forward in terms of this is the first MA episode of Aqua Teen with, as we will soon see, a, a lot more just uh, shocking aspects to it than we had seen in anything previously, but also just in terms of the art and in terms of the, the advancements in the technological aspect of the show at the time. So let's jump back into it here. Meatwad is running to get his puppets because they don't have TiVo. They can't just go back and watch that commercial. So they're going to do a fun joke. So Meatwad's going to roll away and I can't help but notice a little visual gag where he jumps over Carl's feet. And this was an intentional decision, because they could have just staged Meatwad to not have to do that, but they staged him in a way to where he had to jump over Carl's feet because Carl's feet were in the way. But again, they could have put Meatwad anywhere, but this, as we know, as Craig Harton told us in the interview that, that I did with him on this podcast feed, as time went on, they were able to do more in terms of animation in Aqua Teen, and this is just one of those little details, those fun little details where Meatwad jumps over Carl's feet to go get his puppets. And I don't do this a lot, but I'm going to do it here. I'm going to cut out a segment of silence here. And this going back again to the Space Ghost-isms of, of Matt and Dave's writing. Because we have over 20 seconds, really, of silence as the characters just stand around waiting for Meatwad to get back with his puppets to reenact the commercial that they just saw. So I'm not going to play that for you because it's just background noise. So Meatwad gets back with his, his puppets here, which basically consist of an oven mitt and a sock that he's just pimped out to look like little hand puppets. And he's going to reenact the commercial for the guys. All right, let's go. Roll it. <laughs> just grab the bottom of the cup, grip it and win. <laughs> Prizes include a new car or a discount on teriyaki fries. And one burger, when it's right, is wrong. Some customers may get their dicks ripped off. I knew he said that. I knew he said that. What about the teriyaki fries? <laughs> what, what about the teriyaki fries? 
First of all, I love that Shake told Meatwad to get his puppets. That is something that Shake wouldn't normally do, so it's funny that he's doing something kind of against his character. And Shake is enthusiastic about this. He he's excited about it. And then Meatwad comes back with the puppets. He jumps over Carl's feet. And then I like that Meatwad is like an authority here on what was said. <laughs> it's just it is so dumb. He obviously he could have just told them, yeah, I heard them say that, but uh, I love that this is how they choose to get their information. Uh, from what was said in the commercial. It's so silly. It's so absurdist. So I do want to really point that out here because as the episode goes on and we get more of our dick elements that, you know, I might not be so crazy about, there are the traditional absurdist Aqua Teen elements here. So this is not like a departure from previous episodes or anything like that they're just adding new things in terms of the edgier humor which i think is fine and i i appreciate that they include the typical silly aqua teen humor in these moments and have this balance out the the kinds of humor we will see going through the rest of the episode here and really through the rest of aqua teen as a whole so speak of the devil, though, they just learned, oh, my gosh, you could get your dick ripped off for buying a drink at, at Wong Burgers. And now we're going to have a giant monster truck pull off this monster truck. It's got flames on the front. It's red. It says the Ripper on it. And then on the back, there is like a giant hook uh, that is that is like hoisted on, on the back of the giant monster truck here. And that's going to pull up. And Carl's going to get scared because there's going to be people knocking on the door we have two rice henchmen here. So this is an element of this episode I haven't even mentioned yet because I've been so focused on the dick aspect is, you know, we, we do get some racism here as well. We have these rice henchmen who I guess are supposed to be rice, but they'll have these kind of, we don't hear them yet, but they'll have uh, very stereotypical Asian accents and they have these big buck teeth in the front. And then they also have these kinds of like rice hats on. And they also, as we'll hear, they have a necklace on with severed dicks on them. And they're here for Carl. Oh my, Carl, hide. I ain't hiding from nobody. Who is I don't know, but they got sharp hooks and long necklaces made out of dicks. Uh, okay, just to be safe, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna hide down here. <laughs> I love Carl as this this faux tough guy. He's like, I don't hide from nobody. And then Frylock describes who's there. He's like, yeah, just to be safe, uh, I'm going to hide over here. So very funny whenever they, they play with him like that. I do want to shout out this monster truck, though. I can't exactly get into why because I just don't know. But I know somehow within our family we are related to or know the guy who drove the Virginia giant monster truck. So I remember as a kid getting to go and then also get to getting to sit in the monster truck. And I remember it just being so huge, but also I was a kid. So I feel like any other sort of car was probably equally as big to me, but lots of nostalgia whenever I see monster trucks. I think that was the only time I ever went to a monster truck rally, but I'll always have that memory of, of getting to see that as a kid, which was so neat. But this scene here is the first in the episode where we see our first differentiation between the censored and uncensored version, because in the censored version, the rice henchmen are just wearing a necklace, really, of colored bars because the dicks are blurred out. While the uncensored version, as you can imagine, you see the dicks, but I, I do want to mention 
That they are equally as colorful, Bob Pettit here giving full representation to all colors and sizes to his credit, but this will be our first of many upcoming examples of the difference between the censored and uncensored version. But again, it's all in relationship to either seeing these penises or not. That's the only differences between these versions. So Carl first is going to run and try and hide in a closet we've seen once before back in season three, episode one's video Ouija during that segment where Shake he's writing his suicide note and we kind of see his interpretation of what will happen after he's di- he dies and haunts Meatwad. There's a closet in that scene which is filled with some sort of fleshy material. Well, we're going to see that again here and I really do want to thank Charles Entertainment Cheese over on the Dancing is Forbidden Discord server for reminding me which episode that closet showed up in because I could not find it for the life of me because I wasn't checking Video Ouija because I was like, no, I know that episode. It's not in there. And sure enough, I was wrong. But yes, in Video Ouija, we first saw this closet. Now we're seeing it again. Bob Pettit describes how he painted the fleshy parts on several different layers, and then the editor would warp it uh, at different rates to create the motion of this closet. If you want to learn more about this closet, head on over to the video Ouija coverage, because we talk about it a bit more in depth there. But Carl's going to try and hide there. They're going to open the door. Carl's not going to want to go in there, understandably, but Shay's going to push him in, and then eventually Carl will get shot out of the closet. Like, it will reject him, so it's a no-go. And we'll hear the characters finally kind of address this, which is interesting because, again, we saw it back in 2004, and now in 2006, these characters are finally talking about this closet that we just got a glimpse of in one episode. Girl, in here. No one will never look in here. Don't, <laughs> no one never want to get near here. You, uh, you sure about this? I'll just do it. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. I told y'all this closet is not to be open. It is a horrible, horrible place in there. Well, there's a knob there. What do you think I put the sign there? You think I was being cute? I don't know. Of course, Aqua Teen, it's not a show that has anything to do with continuity. In fact, in my email with Bob Pettit, he gets into how this closet, in a way, is poking fun at the fact that we never really know where anybody's room is. There's really no explanation of... We, we, we don't see a lot of the Aqua Teen's house, for example. We're just in the rooms. We never really see how to get to them uh, in some respect. Like, we can deduce that Frylock's room is on the very end, given the window situation. But, I mean, we've talked about that a ton in the podcast. But I do like that they are addressing this closet again. I just think it's cool when they when they go back to things like that and, and tie up little loose ends. And it just rewards you, I think, for paying attention to this show as much as we do uh, here on this podcast, you know, watching through it and and talking about it so much. So I appreciate that. But the rice henchmen are going to be let in. And really, Carl, he's going to hide in the kitchen. The rice henchmen are going to come in. They're going to start breaking things like the TV. They're going to start punching holes in the wall and just being assholes and, and messing up the place. One of the rice henchmen will go in the kitchen and Frylock will do his best to kind of like hide Carl so they don't see him. So they won't find him here, but it's still a very close run-in. And playing these henchmen, the main one you'll hear is Brendan Small. And the other one you'll hear will be Mr. Andy Merrill. And we'll talk about those guys on the other side of the clip. Ding dong! The dick is dead, Carl! <laughs> oh, I'm gonna go in. The, I'm in this cabinet. 
<clears throat> can I help you? Yes, you can. Uh, you're from Wong's, aren't you? Yes, I am. So, who's gonna get their dick ripped off tonight? <laughs> so who's not here? Carl, the guy that it happening to. So someone won. Uh, I don't even know what you're talking about. Nobody won anything here. Mind if I look around? Yes, I do mind. Uh, scratch off and win. Every cup's a winner. One in three chance of getting your dick ripped off. Dude, look, you're wasting your time because no one won that. Oh, well, that's not what he said. Who won it, little man? Because someone's dick is coming with me tonight. Next door and shut up. Shake. <laughs> I'm trying to watch this show. Will you shut the hell up? God. Goodbye. <laughs> So I like at the beginning of the clip, we had Shake just say, ding dong, the dick is dead. He doesn't really give a shit what's going to happen. But at the end of the clip, Shake put his foot down because he's like, get the hell out of here. I'm trying to watch my show. And it's great because the TV is broken. There's just flames inside of it at this point. And worth mentioning, you know, those flames are classic Space Ghost Hansen flame. This whole sequence is kind of interesting and is something a bit newer for Aqua Teen in that... We really have a lot of physical elements here of one of the rice henchmen specifically looking in the kitchen while Frylock has to like move and like help Carl hide. So a bit more just physicality here than we are used to from an episode of Aqua Teen. So I do appreciate that. I love the, the rice henchmen just breaking everything. No regard for the Aqua Teen's property. I guess there's a one in three chance of getting your dick ripped off. Carl was the unlucky one of the three who bought drinks. But a bit more tense of a moment in terms of Aquatine than we're used to getting here, which is cool. Brendan Small, we've talked about him on the Home Movies Deep Dive over on the Patreon, but to give you a quick rundown of his career trajectory, at least up until this point, is he went to Berkeley College of Music, but he ended up doing like stand-up comedy, which is where he was discovered, particularly by Lauren Bouchard, who you may recognize now as the creator of Bob's Burgers. But at the time, Lauren Bouchard had worked on Dr. Katz, Professional Therapist, a great show. And they teamed up to create home movies, which was not an Adult Swim original. It was on UPN initially in the very late 90s. And it got canceled, but it got picked up when Adult Swim launched. And not only did they air the remaining season on Adult Swim, but they also commissioned three more seasons. From there, Home Movies, you know, after 52 episodes, it was done. It didn't get renewed. And then Brendan Small, he teamed up with Tommy Blacha to create Metalocalypse, which was a new show on Adult Swim at this time. And then Andy Merrill, we've talked about him a ton on this podcast. He's an Aqua Teen regular. He plays our beloved Oglethorpe. You may also know him as Brack. I, I didn't mention that previously. But I do want to say it's cool that they included Andy in this. I mean, you would think with Tommy Blacha, who we've yet to see in the episode, and Brendan Small, they would have called it there. I mean, Dave easily could have done this voice, but I'm, I'm glad they got Andy involved. Always a pleasure to hear him in Aqua Teen in any capacity. So the rice henchmen are gone. Carl's going to come out because the coast is clear for now. And then Frylock is going to explain the situation. The characters are all going to get caught up to speed. Carl, come on out. Are they going? Yeah, to your house. They're going to turn it inside out, Carl, until he gets a hold of your dick. Whoa, 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 hey, hey, he's over here. Where'd you go? Would you shut up? Apparently, Carl, when you bought that medium drink, you entered a binding contract that enables them to rip off your dick. 
Oh, no. Yeah. And there's really nothing I can do about it. Not a whole lot to say about that scene. Funny that, you know, randomly Shake tries to get the rice henchmen to come back, even though he just kicked them out. So not really sure what's going on in his head. But I feel like any attempt to try and understand the inner workings of Shake's mind is a futile attempt. Jumping to our next clip, we cut outside to Carl's house where we see the rice henchmen driving the Ripper, their monster truck. And first they rip off kind of like a big chunk of the front of Carl's house with the big hook on the back. And then they drive the monster truck right onto the house and break a sizable portion of it. And then the rice henchman, played by Andy Merrill, he's going to get a phone call. We're working on it, Mr. Wongberger. I'm actually surprised. So it didn't seem like the rice henchman even went inside Carl's house. And they very well could have just killed him there by collapsing the house on top of where he could have been sitting. They collapsed in the living room. So I don't understand. Like, they're trying to get his dick. I I feel like squishing him and killing him wouldn't have been a good way to do that. They would have had a a 2D dick, like a Moonanite dick there. I don't know what they were thinking. That's an amateur move. I guess I was a rice henchman in a past life. I seem to know a lot about this. But the plot is forwarded a bit in that clip. We get a phone call to one of the rice henchmen and kind of see that there's somebody pulling the strings here. And we hear Tommy Blacha. So we'll hear Tommy in our next clip as well, playing Dr. Wongberger or Mr. Wongberger as he's called in this episode. This character comes back. This is a reoccurring character that we see a few more times throughout the show, and Tommy will show up a few more times throughout the show as well. So a little bit about Tommy, he really was a TV writer up until this point, and up until co-creating Metalocalypse, really. Uh, I don't think he created any other shows before Metalocalypse. I'm seeing he wrote on shows like WWF Backlash, Late Night with Conan O'Brien, Andy Richter Controls the Universe, The Ali G Show, and Mind of Mencia. And Mind of Mencia, that show brings me back. Holy cow. But that's a bit of what Tommy was up to. And after this, he'll have a hand in some more Adult Swim shows. So if you're a patron, we'll go into more of him in next week's Metalocalypse coverage. But until then, let's jump in and meet Mr. Wongberger, as he's referred to in this episode, And the way it's revealed is it's a pretty short clip here, and we don't actually see the full Wongberger character, and we don't even really see where he is. We have very close-up shots, and what's revealed is there's some sort of plan for a spaceship called the Dick Ship Model X-72T. I looked up that model number, and I found, like, a uh, portable ultrasound machine. I don't think that's what Matt and Dave are referencing. I assume that they're pulling on some sort of sci-fi reference, specifically from Matt, but I don't know. I couldn't find it. So if you know, please let me know. But we see the blueprints for this ship, and then we see the close-up of Wong, Mr. Wongberger's face. And he has glasses on, and I mean... We know, look, I'm just going to spoil it. He's a penis. He's a giant dick. But you don't quite see that off the bat. But you can kind of tell something's going on. But also to the background, we see there's a bunch of penises in the background. But you don't get the full scope of things. So I'll save our discussion for the full scope of things once we get to it. But until then, let's get this brief introduction to Mr. Wongberger. 
Finally, tonight, I will have enough dicks to complete the dick ship and return to Dick Planet. <laughs> yes, Mr. Wongburger! Okay, so a bit of a reveal in Mr. Wongburger's glasses, where we see a pile of dicks, and the room that he's in is made of dicks as well. You hear this nasty kind of squishing noise, like imagine that you're putting like a, a fork in your mac and cheese and moving it around. I don't entirely know why. I mean, I don't know why these these severed penises are inherently just making this noise. But what I do know is we see Mr. Wongberger, he does have nipples. So I like that they, they showed us that. But we're going to cut back to the Aqua Teens house now for an even shorter clip where there's going to be some more discussion on what needs to be done here. How are we going to get out of this, Prime Man? Well, I have an idea. But it's not very good. So that's it. And I want to point that out to you, that that's something interesting that this episode is doing and will continue to do. We're going to keep cutting back and forth, kind of, between Wongberger and the Aqua Teens as these separate kind of stories develop and then eventually will converge towards the end of the episode. So a bit more traditional storytelling from Matt and Dave here for such a stupid, absurd kind of episode idea. But I really like that a lot. I like when they pull something like that out of their sleeve. We don't see it a lot in Aqua Teen, but when we do, I think it really shows. And I like when Aqua Teen tackles these kind of uh, just more narrative type of episodes, I guess. So we're cutting back to Wongberger now, and we're going to get a full view of what is going on here. And if you're watching the censored version, you're kind of just assaulted by these colored bars that are very bright and will just look very silly. Of course, again, I'm watching the uncensored version like an adult. I get to see all these grown-up dicks, and I feel more sophisticated because of it. But we see that Wongberger is just in a, a giant building made of penises. We eventually get an exterior shot towards the end of the clip, and we see it's a building shaped like a penis. There's even two huge trees outside that are supposed to be like balls around the penis and it says Wong Burger on it. But again, like all of that is replaced with colored bars otherwise. And we know how that came about on my interview with Craig Harton on the podcast feed. He explained that what happened was compositor Joshua Mullinax discovered if you delete an asset then it just pops up in the software as being a colored bar. So what they did here is they basically just deleted all the penises, which resulted in the colored bars that we see in the censored version, which is a super easy way for them to do that. And the reason they had to do that is, you can assume, they couldn't show this on TV, or at least they weren't allowed to, right? This isn't South Park, this isn't Comedy Central. This is still Cartoon Network, they have to be a little sensible here. I mean, they're already getting away with so much. You have to realize that Wongberger himself is a penis, and he's not censored out. They still show Wongberger, and, you know, there's all the, the dick jokes here, but also the, the, the racism with the, the rice henchmen. So there's already a lot going on here, and they couldn't show this many penises. And that's kind of something that, that Matt and Dave would do, is put intentionally bad stuff in their scripts or whatever, so that they could get other things through. In fact, I have an excerpt here from my email with Matt Malero about this. Matt says, I will say that we weren't sure if the word dick being mentioned a lot in the script would pass our S&P department, so we decided to fill it up with the word, used in the title even. We figured that S&P would just get used to it by page two and let it go. 
Of course, we had to censor some of it for air, but only the visuals. So that's something they would do is just like, hey, let's put a bunch of bad shit in here and see what we can get through. As opposed to if they only put, let's say, a couple dick jokes in, those would have been more likely to get removed. But since they just chalk it full of dicks, then S&P is going to do some give and pull where, okay, you can't show that many penises on TV, but we'll let you, you know, call it dick episode and we'll let you say dick a million times in the episode. So you get the idea. So that's a little bit of the history here. Let's jump in and see Wongberger's plan being carried out here. They're trying to build the dick ship, and all we have is a giant pile of penises on the floor that the rice henchmen are just kind of hitting, and they're having some difficulty. As you could imagine, they're having a hard time building a spaceship out of dicks, even though the building they are in is made out of dicks, so I'm not sure how they built that, but they can't build this spaceship past a pile on the floor, but I'm sure they'll figure it out. Those dicks, will you please somebody stack them better? The dicks won't hold together, Mr. Longberger. <laughs> We're gonna have to wrap these dicks with something. Maybe with a... a dick. Are you telling me that I don't know dick? If anyone knows how to build a ship out of dicks, it is me! Yes, yes Mr. Longberger. Because I am King Dick! We're missing a dick for the nose cone! The dick ship will never hold together. What's taking them so long? He entered a binding legal contract the moment he took a sip. You don't think they're dicking around over there, do you? I doubt it. They're professional dick hunters. They crave dick, as we all do. Some fun puns there. And interestingly, Wongberger said when Carl took a sip, he signed the contract. We never saw Carl take a sip, I don't think. And I was under the impression just by buying it, you were entered. But uh, some discrepancies here. Regardless... They're still going to rip Carl's dick off. They don't care. They, I love how they need Carl's dick specifically. They can't just find somebody else. They need to hunt down Carl. I mean, they're, they're playing by some sort of rules here, even though these rules don't make sense, which is so delightful and so delightfully aqua teen. But to Wongberger, he's a giant penis. His feet are like balls. And he's wearing these like shorts. And I think that we're supposed to be able to see some sort of bulge in his pants. So he's a dick with a dick. And for arms, he does have arms, and they are, uh, are my guess, to be pubes. And, of course, pubes don't grow out of a dick. But this reminds me to one of the best stories of my childhood ever. So there was this kid in my class who had some anger issues. At the time, it was kind of funny. Now I'm like, okay, that's kind of sad. He, he had something going on. But at the time... He was just this crazy kid in school, and for whatever reason, my locker was next to him for for this year. Actually, it was this exact year, uh, 2006 into 2007, uh, around the time this Aqua Teen episode aired. And he was trying to tell me, okay, remember we were 13 years old or whatever, 12, 13. He was trying to tell me that he had hair on his dick. And I was saying, no, you don't, because... The penis doesn't grow hair. It's the area, right? I'm not I'm not trying to be blue here, but this is what the Aqua Teen episode is about. But I'm telling him no. And I'm basically saying like semantics here. The penis doesn't grow hair. And he's taking me as saying that he is like a little boy who doesn't have pubes, which wasn't really what I was saying. I'm not going to sit here and argue about somebody else's body. And frankly, I just don't give a shit. But I think it was a little telling 
what he was saying. So anyways, back to this this uh, argument we're having. I'm saying, no, you don't. He's saying, yes, I do. He's getting very frustrated at my insistence he doesn't have hair on his dick, which leads him to say, yes, I do. Ask my mom. At which point... <laughs> I start fucking dying laughing like what the fuck ask your mom about your hairy dick your mom knows your dick has hair on it now of course at this point he realizes what he just said the thing he just implicated himself in at which point he responds fuck you and walks away (laughs) honestly that was probably one of the best moments of my life that this kid basically said to ask his mom about his hairy dick so I actually reached out to his mom and we're going to, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> that'd, that'd be a fun interview. So yeah, obviously we were arguing about two different things, but he didn't understand what I was saying and just completely implicated himself in ways I could never even imagine. So when I see Wongberger here with the pubes growing out of him as he's a penis, that's like the only thing I could think about. You know what? Let's keep talking about dicks since we're on the subject here. Bob Pettit had this to say about drawing all the penises for this episode. Bob said, I painted about eight or nine variously colored dicks and bundled them together in different shaped piles or the rocket shape to create the illusion of thousands. Yes, I joked at the time my parents would be proud I used my BFA degree towards this end. I was never told they would be color barred. But it was a creative, in-edit, on-the-fly solution to a standards and practices veto. Most people seem to like the color bar version better, so that's all good. It's great people can see both versions. So that's what Bob had to say, because when I reached out to Jay Edwards about this episode, I'll get into what Jay had to say later on in the podcast, but Jay suggested to me that he thought that Bob Pettit probably hated this episode because he had to draw these dicks that did not make it to broadcast. Uh, But that doesn't really seem to be the case. I mean, Bob's a level-headed guy, and you know what? He got paid for it regardless, so I doubt he was uh, kept up at night because of it. Even though this episode is doing something uh, more crass than usual, it is kind of adhering to a typical Aqua Teen formula that was established very early on in the show's run, in that we see these villains, and in this case also their henchmen, who are pretty dang ineffective. They are stupid. I mean, these henchmen are idiots, and so is Wongberger for even like even doing any of this. So it's very funny that they can still play on this this time-tested formula that they, they play around with, but in a way that feels new, to me at least. Let's draw a comparison to a specific episode here. Let's talk about Season 1, Episode 9's MCP Pants. In that one... We have MCP Pants, who puts out this rap album to get people, essentially, to eat candy, come to him so he could drain, you know, their blood or whatever, to to unleash demons from hell, to perpetuate this global pyramid scheme that he's trying to do. It's so convoluted, so stupid. And similarly here, we have Wongberger, who set up this restaurant to get people to come in to buy drinks to drink it, to rip it off, to see that they're going to get their dick ripped off, and then he needs those dicks to build this spaceship, and then we'll figure out what he needs that spaceship for soon, but it's just so silly, so over the top. So this is, in in a way I'm saying lovingly, so rooted in Aquatine, and since I brought up MCP Pants, 
We will see going forward with the show that Wongberger is similar because he will show up other times, like I said, but he takes different forms similarly to MCP Pants. So I'm just kind of realizing how, even though I kind of always thought this episode was very different from other Aqua Teen episodes, once we get into it here, it's not that different than what we're used to, and it is very much an Aqua Teen episode at heart. So we're going to cut back to the Aqua Teens now, and we're going to see what Frylock's idea was to protect Carl from getting his dick ripped off. And that idea was removing Carl's dick and turning him into a woman. You can get up now, Carl. I think we're done. Oh, man. Feel all right? Where'd you get these painkillers? They're awesome. Yeah, maybe <laughs> you should just, like, use pills forever. <laughs> yeah, you're right. This was a uh, very bad idea. Hey, Carlina. <laughs> wow. Oh, I get it. Yeah, you put me on the dress me like a woman, took pictures of me. Laughs on me, huh? Well, no, Carl. See, <laughs> uh, you're not just dressed like a woman. <laughs> oh, do go on, please. Well, it's pretty simple, really. I removed your dick, so no one will have no need to remove it. <laughs> so the giant blood stain is, uh, what is that, me having my period, I guess? <laughs> it could be. Or it could be just the spot where I snipped your dick off. So as you can hear uh, in Carl's crotch area, or should I say Carlita's crotch area, there is a blood stain uh, due to the dick removal. But to describe Carlita here, it's actually kind of fun the way that they turned Carl into a woman because her shirt, her shorty shorts, her like stiletto shoes or whatever, it's all based on what Carl normally wears just feminized so carlita has on like the white shirt but it's like a low-cut kind of crop top carlita again has on the, the booty shorts that were normally the sweatpants and then the sandals have been turned into these uh high shoes here so it's really cool the way they transformed it also carlita has on a little pink purse Frylock seemingly did her makeup up. She has a, a full set of hair, so we could see these, like, stitches <laughs> along her forehead where, uh, you know, Carl's balding head was replaced with a full head of woman's hair. I don't know where Frylock got that from, but he got it. And also, I mean, I didn't make this episode of Aqua Teen Hunger Force, okay? So I shouldn't feel bad for talking about these things. I shouldn't feel bad for saying dick 10 million times in this episode. Uh, Carlita... She's she's a busty woman, okay? And you could see it very clearly in this episode. Carlita bringing the big mommy energy. I actually, uh, let me just say, I wouldn't be mad. I don't know when the episode of Aqua Teen's coming out that I did a voice in, but I know some of you are artistic, and uh, maybe you get up to drawing some naughty stuff. No judgment here. If I saw floating around online the character that I voiced shipped with Carlita, I wouldn't be mad about it. That's all I'm putting out there, okay? I'm not, I'm not suggesting you do it, but if, if I saw it, I wouldn't be mad. <laughs> okay, look, I'm joking here. I am suggesting that you draw that. So while I unpack these newfound feelings in myself, what do you say we dive into our clip? We're still in the same scene here, and uh, Meatwad, he's got some words for Carlita and how everything has unfolded. You're talking this pretty good, girl. <laughs> Seems like this whole thing kind of defeats the purpose, you know? Yep. And what I just did was a very bad idea. You think uh, maybe I could uh, have my dick back? Oh, wait, you know what? Maybe you should keep my dick so you could uh, hump yourself. Technically, that would not be uh, doing yourself, just for the record. Shake busting out the semantics here. 
Uh, I like I like Meatwad there. He's just like kudos. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Carlita, uh, she she's not having none of this. And I like that Matt and Dave here are just straight up like, yeah, the thing that we had Frylock do for this joke was fucking dumb and it didn't make any sense, right? I mean, okay, we have to protect Carl from getting his dick ripped off by ripping off his dick, and. Normally, I'm pretty annoyed when they have Frylock do some dumb shit for the sake of a joke or at least something that he is too smart to have done. But what I like about this is that before he even did it, he said it was like a bad idea, that it was dumb. And even now, immediately afterwards, he's like, yeah, it's dumb. So I like that they're just completely acknowledging it. For me, it makes it easier to look past these dumb decisions from a character that this show relies on being the intelligent one because otherwise a lot of episodes don't work or the entire Plantasm movie doesn't really work. But here I think they pulled it off in a really funny way because Frylock, he's still being smart in the fact that he realizes and he said the entire time it was a dumb plan. In our next clip now, we're going to kind of have these storylines converge because Carl's penis is outside in the trash and... Miwad points it out, but before anybody can grab it, one of the rice henchmen, well, he grabs it, and they drive off. Hey, Carl, look at that. Are you still picking this out of the garbage? Is that it? Is that mine? <laughs> of course it is. It's got that curve to the left. No! No! Take it! We see Carl's dick in the garbage outside, and I can't help but notice, of course, on the uncensored version, it's pretty blurry. Like, it's not super detailed when they show it kind of close up. I have to imagine that's them being a little bit like, okay, we can't actually show like a close-up of Carl's penis in this way. So it's a little bit blurry, which makes it, I think, a little less offensive. Regardless, you don't see it in the censored version anyway. Although another possibility is, is that when Bob Pettit drew these, he didn't draw them super detailed. And maybe maybe that's why, because they, they are showing one pretty dang close-up. But in terms of this whole thing of getting their dicks ripped off, Matt Malero clued me in on this. Matt said, The whole concept came from a childhood urban legend that I heard about when growing up in Pensacola. So, yeah, Matt Malero's from Florida. I guess he heard about something about getting your dick ripped off. He didn't elaborate on that, and I was, I was afraid to ask, but I did say, well, in the words of Jay Wade Edwards, Jay fled from Florida to Atlanta, and I understand now why uh, Jay... Matt Malero and Bob Pettit, why these three guys left Florida, if apparently there are uh, these creatures running around ripping your dick off, I wouldn't want to be there either. And to speak of the rice henchmen too, I, I assume that they're supposed to be testicles, that's my guess, to fit in with the theme here. Otherwise, like, I don't know what else they're actually supposed to be, so that's my guess of what the rice henchmen actually are. So... Yeah, they were going to go retrieve Carl's dick, but uh, one of the rice henchmen took it and drove off with it, furthering the plot, and now that's going to help these characters all converge because they're going to have to go and get it back. But before that, though, Frylock has a bit of a different idea. He's going to ask Meatwad for his detachable penis, I guess, uh, for Carl to use to compensate for his penis missing, and Meatwad, he's going to change shape, and that's not something he does a whole lot. He did it more earlier in the show's run than at this point, but he's going to do it now. But it is going to be a shape that we are familiar with. We saw this shape back in Season 1, Episode 12, Circus, when Meatwad turns into who he says is Wayne Gretzky. It's really Abe Lincoln with a samurai sword. That's what Meatwad's going to turn into here. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I have a better plan. 
Meet what? You got a big dick, right? Oh, yeah. Huge. But I need it for the night. But it's detachable, so that helps us. No! No way! I'm having a dick made of hamburger. I'm not giving it to you. Good, because I don't need it. Because I'm huge between the legs. Who wants to see my dick? I have another idea. So, first of all, I love Meatwad. He's like, yeah, I got a big dick, but I need it for the night. But he turns into, again, Abe Lincoln with a samurai sword. But they say he's Dick Nixon, uh, who, you know, Richard Nixon, the 37th president of the United States. But, I mean, Richard, uh, a nickname for that is Dick. So, they're playing on the theme here. You get it. And it's it's funny because Meatwad wouldn't even know who... (laughs) Dick Nixon is. He wouldn't know uh, Tricky Dick was one of Richard Nixon's nicknames. It was kind of a derogatory nickname for him. Uh, so it's funny that Meatwad knows this piece of U.S. history. But as we heard at the end of the clip, Frylock has another idea. They're just going to cut right to Wongberger's tower, and the Aqua Teens are going to show up, which I like that they do that. I mean, of course, these episodes are 11 minutes long. They don't have a whole lot of time to expand on things. But I like that they just cut, like, they just know where to go, and they're just there. There's really no explanation of of how they found the place. So we're going to hear the Brendan Small rice henchman here a little bit. And I like the voice that Brendan does because it reminds me of Walter and Perry from Home Movies. That's the vibe it gave me. And if, if you're familiar with those characters, he would do them with H. John Benjamin, but they are on record as having said they don't know which character they actually voiced, and I think they would do it interchangeably, so there was no set voice actor for either character. They would just both play them, because if you've seen home movies, both of those characters are pretty much the same character. But let's hear Brendan do the Rice Henchman character, huh? All the dicks are polished, sir! Probably needs just a couple more... Dick rotors. Maybe a dick wheel or two. Yes, Mr. Wongburger. And, uh, Howie, do we have to fill it up with some dicks? Yes, we got a full tank of dicks. Full tank, good, good, good. Wall-to-wall dick carpeting? Yes, you've <laughs> mentioned that, Mr. Wongburger. Ah, dicks. Shake. Everywhere I turn, it's dicks. Intruders! Stop them! Close the dick gate! What are you doing touching my dicks? You can't just run around <laughs> ripping off people's dicks to make a giant dick ship. I have an advanced degree in dicknology. You're a madman, Wongberger. This ship will never fly. Well, how else am I supposed to get home? Call someone to pick you up. <laughs> I will. <laughs> so that's basically the resolution of the episode. It's not over yet. We still have some more clips. But that's essentially where this goes of like, oh, I guess I don't have to do all this. I guess someone could just come pick me up. And that reminds me a lot of an episode we mentioned earlier during our Adult Swim block. And that was Frat Aliens and Frat Aliens DP needs Skeeter to come pick him up. Although Skeeter won't do it. So Frylock has to build a ship for DP, which of course doesn't work. And you know what? I don't think this dick ship was going to work anyways. So probably a good call to call it quits. Something that I'm really surprised by while watching this back on the podcast is how much I'm enjoying this one. You know, the first time I saw it all those years ago, I don't remember my exact reaction other than being surprised by the humor of it. I don't remember disliking it. I want to be clear about that. But then watching it back uh, like a week ago before recording this, 
I, I was like, all right, that's fine. I, I didn't really laugh that much. But just really paying attention to it here and really picking up on what's going on in the episode, I'm enjoying this one more. Honestly, going into Dickisode, I was like, oh, that's going to be one I'm not going to be that crazy about. But uh, hey, that's the nice thing about this podcast is it gives me another chance to reevaluate these episodes. Sometimes for worse, sometimes I don't like them as much as I thought I would. But other times I like them more than I thought I would. And uh, hey, that's the yin and the yang. Or I guess in the context of this Aqua Teen episode, uh, the dick and the balls, I could say. So we have the Aqua Teens here still in Wongberger's castle. Wongberger just like walks away. I love how this episode is so anticlimactic given how aggressive the rice henchmen were earlier in the episode. But uh, the Aqua Teens are still here. They got to find Carl's dick amongst the thousands that are here. Hey, hey, can I know which one of these is Carl? It don't matter. Just get one. You grab one. I'm not touching those dicks. Surprisingly, Carl didn't come with. You figured he'd want to be there for this, but I guess uh, with his, his recent transformation, he wouldn't have been able to help out a whole lot. I do want to mention again to the anticlimactic nature of this episode. It really serves a show like Aqua Teen to do that, not just because it's funny, but because this show is done very cheaply, and it's not like they could really animate some big fight scene. I mean, they already probably spent most of their budget on Bob Pettit supplying all these new assets, and also the assets of, like, these new characters and stuff, and these new animations. So certainly they wouldn't have the budget left over to do a big fight scene with Wong Burger. So that's just the way the cookie crumbles, and I wouldn't have it any other way. So speaking of Carl... We're going to go back to the Aqua Teen's house now to see that Carl has been, I guess, detransitioned back to his, his male form. And uh, he's just laying in their living room. He's on kind of a, a poolside chair, I guess, that's just splayed out there. Carl getting a little bit better treatment than Santa Claus did in Season 3, Episode 11's T-Shirt of the Living Dead. Because when Santa Claus was hooked up to all those machines, he was just laying on the floor. He didn't even get a, a little poolside chair like this. Uh, although, in Carl's case, he doesn't get any machines, so it's a bit of a trade-off. Either you get medical equipment, or you get a nice poolside lounge. Hopefully the swelling in your chest should go down, once the testosterone fully circulates around your body. Oh, what about my voice? <laughs> oh, I had a third testicle to speed up the process. I'll have to cut it out later. Otherwise, you just go insane with rage. This is something Aquatine does a lot. Some Carl body horror. I mean, I'd be here all day listing episodes that have done that. And they're doing that here. And uh, just again, I know I'm kind of a broken record at this point. But to this episode's credit, because this is an episode that I had previously kind of discredited, this episode doing just a lot of our typical Aquatine kind of tropes or the things that we expect from, from a good Aquatine episode, they're just kind of throwing it all in here in this episode and mixing it around with a bunch of dicks thrown in. So the episode is not over, though, so we kind of have some resolution with Carl, but we're going to get some resolution with Wongberger as well. Shake's watching TV, and Wongberger, he's on the news. Whoa! Check it out! Somebody's suing Wongberger! Wongberger could not be reached for comment as he left the press conference in a giant spaceship made of dicks. <laughs> which crashed into a building made of dicks. <laughs> Apparently that's what the building was made of if you've ever seen it from the interstate. Clearly the act of a total... A total, uh... <laughs> you know, a, a total... Uh... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh... Uh... 
total... Uh... So the newscaster, he's, he's still trying to find his words... Uh, this newscaster that we see is the same one from earlier this season, the first episode, Dirtfoot. Uh, that was the newscaster kind of from the Dirtfoot documentary. We're seeing him here, voiced by Dave Willis yet again. And this isn't the first time that Dave has voiced a newscaster on the show. One example being season two, episode two's superhero. And we see also Wongberger running into his restaurant and we have the same camera crew from Dirtfoot as well. So reusing some assets from that episode. The flame that we have coming out of the dick ship as it flies away. Well, don't even waste my time. Don't even ask me what that flame is. And then the dick ship crashes into the Wongberger Tower. So like I said, they should have they given up on this dick ship plan. I don't know how you expect this thing to fly. I guess Wongberger's ride wasn't going to come soon enough. So he, he had to bail out before he got sued. That's what I'll do when Warner Discovery inevitably tries to sue me for this podcast for playing so many clips uh, from their show. I, I got aboard the dick ship. There's, there's no other option. Because of that, I'm actually hoping you could help me out. I am taking dick donations for my dick ship. So if you could head on over to dicktreon.com slash dickingisforbidden and uh, donate. You can do one dick a month, five dicks a month, uh, ten dicks a month. Uh, whatever you could swing, I would surely appreciate that. So, in the meantime, what do you say we jump into our last clip of the episode? And they're just kind of, I don't want to say they're killing time here, but they have, like, the the uh, news broadcaster just trying to find, you know, the word there. And then we're going to have Shake, we're going to get some gross-out humor at the very end here. He's going to be in the kitchen, and the trash is inside now with the trash still in it. I don't know why they brought it outside, then brought it back inside with the trash still in it. But that's what they did. And he'll be eating something uh, out of the trash. Uh, you know what it is. Well, you guys are busy wasting. I found a perfectly good hot dog in the trash. <laughs> sitting right on top of two soggy walnuts. Mmm. <laughs> still in their wrapper. I mean, there's hair on them, but hey, little brush off. Delicious. <laughs> Mm. This tastes like blood. Wow. This hot dog. I think the gum is blood flavored. Wait. Mm. Yeah, definitely blood flavored. So that is the end of the episode. I can't help but feel like that's just a Dana Snyder ad lib. That's really what it seems like to me. It it's really I, I see that coming from him. I could be wrong. So normally that is the end of Dick's episode, but we do have some credits to talk about because the credits in this one are pretty beloved by the Aqua Teen fandom here because, as I said at the beginning of the episode, they're all replaced with Dick in some capacity. I mean, of course, we have Donald Cock with Brendan Small, but, you know, we have Dick Willis, Dick Malero, uh, Schoolie Dick doing the music. Over on the Discord, Shinsuke reached out asking, hey, Ronnie, can you dig into this and, and figure out how this came about? So last time I talked to Dave... I asked him, where'd, where'd this dick credits come from? <laughs> oh, I think that was a Malero idea. I don't know. <laughs> so Dave pointed at Matt. So I reached out to Matt and asked him. And Matt said, I actually don't remember who or how we came up with the idea to name everyone Dick. But I will say that since it was a good idea, then it was probably mine, as usual. Now, any sane person probably would have just let it sit there, right? I mean... Whatever, it's, 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 a, it's a gag joke at the end. Well, not this guy, okay? I had to get to the bottom of this, to the bottom of this dick 
mystery. So I reached out to our friend Jay Wade Edwards, of course, the editor on this one, and asked him, Hey, Jay, this is a small, pointless detail. Uh, sorry for even bugging you about this. But w- would you happen to know anything about this dick and credit? And let me tell you, Jay, he knew. Jay said, the end credits were all me. My idea, and I was the one who typed and placed the end credits anyway, so I just did it. Very Aqua Teen style. In my memory, Dave and Matt okayed it because I thought it was so funny. Now all of us have an alias on IMDb, sometimes known as Dick Edwards, or sometimes known as Dick Hastings. Jay then went on to say, I'm the king of pointless details. And that's why I love our editors so much on this show, because they remember little details like this, and I couldn't be any more appreciative. So that's Dickisode, and of course, before I give you my final thoughts on it, I want to give you some thoughts that were had the very night that it aired. Now, as per usual, at this point in time, Adult Swim are airing the episodes online a couple days before they go live on television, the Friday night. So we discussed that uh, in a previous episode. So really, the discussion here starts October 20th of 2006. And it's almost comical on the Toon Zone forum here how it's like alternating. Almost every other comment is either, oh, I liked it a lot, or, oh, that was horrible. Aqua Teen is on its way out. It's just like back and forth. It's so silly. I want to paraphrase user jbanks97, who left some comments here. Uh, something I, th- I thought was interesting, jbanks said, they barely touched on Carl's sex change. It seemed like they were bored by it and wanted to go back to more dick jokes. Which I actually kind of agree with. It would have been fun to see Carlita a little bit more. Uh, but at the same time, the fact that they didn't dwell on it, I think was, was kind of funny. But I, I see where J-Banks, J-Banks is coming from here. J-Banks says, It seemed like this episode was just offensive to be offensive without any point at all. But then user The Mist responds, Who would be offended by this? Which I agree with. Like, who watching Aqua Teen would have been offended by this? I don't really think anybody. It's not that offensive outside of maybe the the racism i could see that being offensive but the dick aspects i i don't think are offensive whatsoever uh so that's really it for my comments just on what's said here on the tune zone forum link in the description if you want to read this whole thread that was had around the time this episode came out i want to kind of address this because I think what really Matt and Dave are doing here is just it's kind of meta they're trying to see how far they how much they can get away with in this episode. So if you're watching it from that context, not in the context of them trying to be offensive or edgy, but to see what they could possibly get through standards and practices, to me, that's like so punk rock and I think is is brilliant and is so silly that that's what they're trying to do with this episode. And that's why this is our first TVMA episode of Aqua Teen. I mean, a pretty significant thing, and also to this episode's significance, is the asset update. And going forward forevermore, we will have these HD assets, in part thanks to the film. I mean, because they had made the film at this point, it wasn't out yet, but they had these assets from the film, which allowed them to use those assets in the show, which then allows Aqua Teen in its next season to be beautiful HD 1080p and, you know, high definition. So this is just, you know, a a big milestone episode for the show, I think. And to mention the art, let's mention something the artist had to say. Bob Pettit told me that uh, the blurriness of the art from the earlier episodes, especially... Uh, is tough for him to watch today. 
I mean, I remember, too, an early episode that we covered where they really zoomed in on a background, and it was just so dang blurry, and I was surprised by how blurry it was. So I know what Bob is talking about here. That's not Bob's fault. He didn't know how far they would zoom in on that particular background, and it's not the editor's fault or, or the animator's fault. Like, they had to zoom in. There was there was really no option. So that's just the way they had to make it back in the day, and now, you know, Bob here, he has something he might be a little bit more proud to put in his portfolio than, than a, a blurry background that we might occasionally see in the earlier episodes. But worth mentioning here that that's a part of the charm of the show. I mean, I, I always love that about Aqua Teen. To me, it humanized the show in a way that most shows aren't humanized because it's like, look, there's mistakes here. There's errors here. It's not perfect. And to me, that was charming. And, and to me, that was, uh, I, I guess I could say relatable as, as somebody who always dabbled in creative things myself. It's like, look, this brilliant show that I love can make mistakes like this. And it's okay. I still love it. And that kind of signals to me that, well, I can make mistakes. My stuff doesn't have to be perfect. People will still like it. So I think that was important, but I do appreciate the show going in a more, you know, presentable direction. And that's what the guys always wanted. It's not like they wanted it to be the way that it was. It was just the way that it was because it had to be. And as time goes on, it's getting better. And that that continues till today. That's, that didn't stop here back in 2006. I mean, we just got that preview clip that you can go watch of the upcoming season. And that is another step up. So Aqua Teen is just always evolving. And that's a part of the show's history as well, which I think is cool that you could see it change so much over time. So covering Dickisode here, one that I didn't think I would like, but I ended up liking a lot more than I thought I would. I really grew to appreciate this one as it plays with different humor styles, the edgy humor of all the dicks, the uh, the absurdity with the beginning of of like ripping off the the bottom of your cup to see what you won, all your liquid falls out. The body horror kind of humor uh, of whatever they did to Carl. There's so much stuff going on here. Uh, this episode is very narrative in ways that I didn't really appreciate initially at first, where we're cutting between characters and they they come together, but then we still get the payoff of the dick ship exploding at the end. There's just so many things going on here. Now, I didn't wholly love it. I thought the end was maybe a little bit slow. Due to the reliance on all the dick jokes, I think that kind of cuts down on the rewatchability for me. Like I was commenting on earlier, maybe seeing more Carlita could have could have had more of a payoff. But still, a lot of cool stuff going on here. And because of that, I think I'm going to give this one three and a half. Hmm. Three and a half. Hmm. You know, I always try and like pull something from the episode uh, to like relate to this. I'm having a hard time. Uh, three and a half. Oh, oh, I know. Uh, three and a half dicks out of five. I really think it's a, it's a, it's one worth your time. Not one I'm running to go back to necessarily, but one that I do appreciate and one that I think is is a good time to watch. And I have to say, I probably am a little influenced by all of the just history around this one and how fun this podcast episode was to make. So that is it for me this week. Again, I am in the middle of wedding apocalypse, hence the kind of slowdown of deep dives here. Thank you for hanging in with me. I'm excited to get back to them in a more regular context as soon as I can. All my friends and family decided to get married at like the same time. And I said, what about the Aqua Teen fans here? Uh, I lobbied hard to get them to change their wedding dates, but I was unsuccessful. So again, excited to get back to doing the podcast more regularly. But until then, of course, I really want to thank 
all the guys who helped on this one, especially Bob Pettit, who always just gives such thorough responses and is, is such a pleasure to talk to. But you can find Bob on Twitter at Pettit underscore art. Link to that in the description. Let me tell you, Bob and I might have something cooking in terms of, uh, terms of, an, uh, of an art giveaway. So you'll want to follow him for that. Otherwise, I got to thank Dave Willis, Matt Malero, and of course, Jay Wade Edwards for, for giving us so much information on this. I want to thank you for listening. As always, without you listening, then there's no reason this podcast would exist. And this podcast couldn't exist without those who support it. Of course, thank you, Kyle B., for signing up uh, back in July. Glad to have you on board. This is, you know, something else you could add to your collection. This Now, it's not Nintendo branded. I hope that's okay. But otherwise, of course, we have to shout out our Highlander dick. There can be only one! There's only really one scene with Carlita, just like there's only one dick. And of course, shout out to our number one in the Hood G tier patrons, Dick Warden, Dick Willett Jacob, Captain Dickford, Dick Barnes, Dick Tenpenny, Dick Robinson, Leche Raton Dixty Nine, Dick Power 706, Swim Dicky, Dick Ibera, and Dickinator. You guys can save 20 cents on your next order of wasabi fries any day of the week. I'll see you next week. Till then, keep it cool. Take it easy. Bye-bye. With wasabi sauce through I know me what I know. I saw the ad too. And they're good. Yeah, I'm sure they're not.